Mark Tui is here, advisor of business and political leaders, former chief of staff to a mayor of Toronto. Mark, good morning. Good morning, John Moore. All right. So, you know, the I, I was going to say the inevitable, but it wasn't inevitable. We spent five days with people debating that maybe John Tory would stay on. But sure enough, last night he handed in his papers. Yeah, I don't think there was any real surprise there. Uh, you know, right from the get-go when he gave his announcement uh, last Friday evening, you know, he never used the word resignation, but uh, he pretty much painted the picture that he would be leaving. And when the media sort of translated that into resignation, neither he nor any of his staff ever sort of corrected them. So I think the writing was on the wall. And once he said it, he's been accused many times of being Mr. Dithers in terms of taking a long time to make decisions. Uh, but he very rarely goes back on decisions that he's made. And that's been a flaw in his political character in the past that's gotten him into trouble. You know, once he's committed to something, he stayed with it, even if the you know, it may no longer be as advisable. So I think once he said he was going to leave, it was pretty much uh, a done deal. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because I was reading a column by political strategist Robin Sears yesterday. I don't know if you saw it, but he was talking about how he was responsible for preparing a brief back when John Tory was head of the Conservative Party of Ontario, all about funding for uh, religious schools. And the brief came back and said, this is going to be the end of you. And he, he went ahead and, and did it anyway. And it was the end of him there. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the uh, the the biggest example. He stuck to his guns, having made a, a political statement. And uh, unlike Doug Ford, who's quite happy to uh, change his mind if you know evidence comes yeah. up that sort of says, you know, this doesn't work. Uh, John Tory stuck with it. But the people that I feel for this morning, John, are John Tory's political staff. You know, there'll be eighteen or twenty of them working in the mayor's office, and their jobs really have just come to an end as well. He leaves uh, Friday at five p.m. I expect. Uh, the interim mayor, deputy mayor Jennifer McKelvey, will probably keep most of them until whenever the by-election happens. But once the new uh, mayor comes in, they're finished. So probably three years earlier than they expected to be out of a job, they're going to be pounding the pavement looking for work. And interesting because those kinds of jobs, you sort of do it in blocks of four years, and then you get to the point where the person you work for wants to run for re-election, and you need to met the, make the bet. Okay, is this the next four years of my life? So you're right. Months into that administration, all of a sudden, these people are probably staring at EI. Um, the budget passed. I don't want to get into the guts of the budget, necessarily. Um, but I was wondering about, very quickly, your thoughts on the drama I was watching live, because I went to council yesterday, and how routine that was for you back in the day. I mean, we had activists who knew the police officers who were sent to remove them by their first names. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's the same cast of characters, uh, you know, working from the same script almost all of the time. When I was working at uh, City Hall, the, the principal protagonists were the Ontario Coalition Against Poverty, who every six months would hold some type of an event where they would uh, be raucous and, you know, march around and and scream and yell. And they would often provide uh, a free breakfast uh, so that they could get people to come down and, uh, you know, on the offer of free food and hold a sign, make some noise for a while, and then go away. It was a fundraising effort for them. They never really expected to influence public policy, but it activated their base and got them, uh, you know, providing checks and and donations to the cause. Uh, I don't know how much of that was happening yesterday. I mean, certainly there were lots of interruptions, but again, it's political theater. I don't think anybody who's making that 
raucous actually thinks they're going to make a difference, but it's a fun day's event for them. Okay, and speaking of raucous, I'm reading an account of a meeting of the Halton District School Board last night, and I thought, wow, okay, so it's two meetings in one day where everyone was getting yelled at. Um, this was parents demanding that the board do something about this teacher who wears very large prosthetic breasts while on the job. And I don't know if you agree with what I was saying a little earlier in the show, but I just can't figure out why the school board can't come to a decision and enact it. I, they, they, the level of dithering here is insane. I think it's just another uh, excellent example of why elected school boards should cease to exist in Ontario. They provide no useful purpose whatsoever. They're incompetent writ large. Both the elected members who are sort of wannabe intern politicians without a lot of experience don't want to make decisions because it might offend somebody and, you know, damage their future political careers. And then the bureaucrats, quite frankly, get away with murder because their political masters are idiots. And so, like, I think we'd all be better served if uh, schools, we still have school districts and a lot of the administrators to run the local issues, but they should report directly to the minister who just tells them what to do. Uh, Doug Ford got a little shirty yesterday when reporters insisted on asking him again about this uh, uh, party, this, uh, what do they call them, uh, stag and doe party, uh, where people paid $150 to go to his house and attend his daughter and her fiancé's uh, pre-wedding party, and Doug Ford just doesn't see anything wrong with it. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. I mean, he's right to point out that the integrity commissioner investigated found that he had done nothing wrong. That doesn't necessarily mean, you know, he did everything right. It just means he didn't violate any of the rules. You then have to look at what the rules are. Uh, he's wrong to get, uh, you know, annoyed by this because that just never comes across well. It always makes you look bad. But he's also right in that, you know, the only answer to this is we didn't do anything wrong and, and move on because otherwise you just continue to get bogged down. And the media is going to keep asking him about this because they like watching his emotional response. I'm from British Columbia. I've never heard of a stag and do party till no, me neither. the other day. And, uh, you know, somebody called in to explain it to me. I was uh, filling in for Jerry Agar. And, uh, you know, one caller called in and said, yeah, you know, they sold 600 tickets to their stag and do. Only about 80 people showed up. But people just buy tickets because it's the social thing to do. They don't know 600 people. So I, I don't know. But I will point out that, you know, in previous governments under the Wynn liberals, the McGinty liberals, you know, th this is not new, the cozy relationship between developers and ministers. Ministers used to have a, a quarterly quota to go out and raise money from corporations and unions uh, in past governments. That's been tamped down. There's always going to be a relationship between people who, you know, make money building things and or doing anything in the province and the people who set the rules under which they can do it. Uh, we always have to keep a close eye on it. So politicians have to get used to being under the thumb. Thank you, sir. Good to have you this morning. Take care.